Hey, we're back on Do We Have to Talk About This? It's been a, a little while since we we sat down to talk, but we didn't promise a regular schedule, and that's a good thing because we don't keep to it. Um, we're talking about pricing, which is a like, complicated enough subject that this is part two. Um, and with that, uh, here's uh, Tom Sr. Tom Jr. is here too, but we won't start with him. We'll start with Tom Sr. <laughs> Why not? Well, the yeah, first part, the last recorded part on pricing was when dealing with a situation when market prices are not known. I'm not sure this one, that was more difficult. In some respects, this is more difficult because now I'm going to talk about prices when and how, how to handle them when prices are known and they fluctuate. As it happens, they start with a story that goes back to 1975, my word. Well, in any case, I was hired to negotiate the purchase of a business. Uh, that in itself is interesting because I make it a point never to know more than my client about his business, a standard I readily meet. Well, it's too easy for people like me to think I know more than my client. Ours is a stuff of mere calculation. His or hers is that of action and consequence. In any case, the client informed me that he wanted me to handle the negotiations without him. Um, I replied I didn't know how to read the signals from the other side. It's just something I didn't know how to do. It wasn't didn't fit my personality or my brain. And that he would be better served if he hired someone else who had that skill. He declined to hire anybody else, and at that I was told I needed. I told him I would need to know his price before I went into these negotiations. He worked it through. He knew the business. I merely showed him the economics and finance. It was an approach not unlike a business plan today. His plan, that is, it was his plan supported with the analytics of price, debt, profits, ROA, risk, liquidity, and so on. This was not math and reality. This was his reasoning. What works for him, what he can handle, what are controllable risks, and given how he intends to run the business and what he wants, wanted to do, get from doing so. Uh, the meetings with the sellers, uh, seller uh, followed. Um, at that time, winning through intimidation was in vogue, uh, if you remember the book. In any case, um, they practiced it. So there I was sitting at the end of this long table. There was only one chair, and that was for me. And at the other end, I faced the sellers, the CEO, CFO, probably COO, a couple of CPAs from the accounting firm, and a couple of lawyers. So it was filled with real experts. At least I knew that this was what this was about. And they were trying to do horse trading, which is to say rather to win. The seller had not decided on their price, uh, but my client had. Rather than, than that, they decided what they wanted was this, that more is better than less. That's an easy calculation. Irrefutable logic, of course. Math determined for them what was more in reality but it would be what they could get. Without stating my client's price, and I don't remember how long I kept that off the table, I think the effect was that my silence on that matter forced them to reveal their prices. So I waited for an offer. I watched their attempt to prove to me 
that their view of the price was right. It was an impressive performance, a view that would give them a higher price. They were good at it. Still, I didn't think they were convinced of their own position. Rather, they were trying to convince me that they were right. Armed with my client's instructions, I waited. In the end, they beat my client's ex price ex expectation coming in much lower. Shall I explain how that happens? What happened or why did it happen? Inevitably, they were fishing. You might call it in biblical terms, double-minded. And with many opinions, six people at the other end of the table approximately, as I recall, um, there were uh, uh, many opinions available. Um, in fact, they were such that they were tossed back and forth by every wave blowing here and there. They were, there was more than one person. They were double-minded, unstable in all their ways. And, huh, I, I wonder thinking back. Say each person had two views on the one hand and one on the other hand, which with six folks on their side would be maybe meet 12 different positions all defensible, all justified, all fitting the standards of what I've come to call math and reality. It seemed that the intense pressure of getting the highest price produced a collapse, or produces a collapse, leading to a much lower price than being accepted. That's a generalization, which I think is, if you will, generally true, but not always true. The providence, providence gave me, has given a lesson to me, or has it? My client's price prevailed, well thought out, not unfair, and not merely a trial balloon. I say that this was a purchase of a business, and that the, given the nature of the business, the range of prices for that business, buying and selling them, was quite well known. And this is what I still think is best, though perhaps never the best, if anyone actually knows. What I was to do was to get it done to transfer risk, get it done so he would be ready for what's next and that he would know his own reality. And that was the outcome. Um, it was extraordinary. As it happens, since there is always a better price, in my client's case, buying better price would be lower, or in the seller's case, a better price would be higher, and in, and in farm and Commodities you will see, or I have, or have seen higher prices after a deal is done. But like my client in 1975, you have already determined what works for you, and determining what works for you controls. That is the lesson I took from that. The idea of transferring risk, which transfer is short selling, that is selling before harvest, and applying it to the purchase. I think we're on a new subject with transferring risk, and I have. Well, transfer risk is a really, it's a meta subject, but, but uh, now we're talking about moving, moving toward an ag, agricultural specific thing, right? But if I can do a, Please. a question or a sum, summation, because that's a pretty dense amount of verbiage there on the negotiation. It, uh, for the simple-minded like myself, it seems that the thing that happened is in knowing what worked for the buyer, there was actually a transfer of pressure. And therefore, let me, 
we should do video of this because I see the mouths open and I have to... No, that, you're absolutely right. It, it results in a transfer of pressure. And the pressure transfer, as I watched those six men, I, the pressure transferred from me was palpable. I like that word. That's Sorry. Good word. So I, I just wanted to sum that up. So the, the idea being because this client was prepared and knew the, the math and reality that worked for him... Yeah, in this case, uh, uh, the pressure to buy changed. And, and as I think back to 1975, which is now getting to be a long time ago, one of the outcomes was the business was purchased from a, for a much lower price than my client was willing to pay because as they felt the pressure of these things, they kept throwing a price out to get my reaction. And since they weren't getting a reaction, I didn't close the matter on price. Well, you're not big on reaction, just as a broad. Uh, oh, I'm very reactive. Well, you hide it. You're irritating me now. See, there's a reaction. <laughs> well, I, I have that. I have that gift. Well, it, it, part of the low-hanging fruit in, in, in that transaction, most of them still is is kind of the underpreparedness of most people who are transacting business. I don't mean the ignorance; they're far from it, but. Uh, almost to a case, what we see is people's historical time horizons are very short and their future horizons are, are even shorter. So the really, real deep practical knowledge, if you will, of what they're trying to accomplish um, is not expressed with sufficient clarity. And, and, and so therefore, if you have a client, as you did, who went in and having you know, worked all that stuff out uh, 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 quite thoroughly, Odds are you're going to be up against people who have not worked it out at all, and it's just it is natural transference of power and advantage. Yeah, they, they they of course want to receive a higher price. That's understandable, but they haven't arrived at what that was. The great advantage for my client was that he had arrived, and he he sent me off to those negotiations alone. He would not sit in on any of the negotiations. I forgot that you let him get away with that, uh, going alone. Going along, yeah, well, you know, it's his stuff. Uh, but um, and he was willing to accept the, the limitations. It's an interesting because he re was referred to us or to me by uh, office manager of a small dental practice who happened to know him. I mean, it's it's, it's that's not a powerful endorsement ordinarily, but. Uh, Apparently, we struck it off um, fairly well. The difference was uh, that was a, and the price was settled was huge. In other words, they sold for less than my client was willing to mm -hmm. pay. I just simply let them play it out until I said, "Okay, that's it. You got it." So the the summary I want to before we head on to the agricultural pricing from the other side is that this client came to you and went through the paces of preparation and uh, had sufficient clarity that, that you could go into a negotiation. And I, I don't want this to, the emphasis to be on, he got a really good price, but he got what he needed to move forward. Well, I, 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 I think the important part is getting what he needs to work forward. I think the, a subtler part that is really hard to improve, to prove is this, likely not uh, abnormal for him for, for, 
for a person to do better than what he would accept. Sure. Uh, given the why that's so, I don't know. Uh, but it's the the role then, and I think this is something that's been lacking in some of the other conversations. Is the the role you took at that time is almost uh, akin to a coach preparing for a fight. You did the road work, you got him in shape, he's prepared. That's not a bad analogy. Um, Well, the reason I say it is because it's easy to discard the advantage of something that is in popular culture maligned, which would be consulting, um, often maligned. But in the definition of, I like that phrase, math and reality, and the definition of that, he's prepared to go in and do the thing. He came out better than he even needed to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that was your role in that, and it's a completely fair and widely available advantage that's usually overlooked. Is that fair to say? That's exactly true. It's somewhat, well, some, well somewhat said, surprising actually, yeah. uh, that that it still is overlooked. I mean, I mean, uh, the the raw tools are the the, the the spreadsheet software and such are certainly well. They, they were virtually non-existent in 1975, and now we have. Um, you know, copious resources, but I have a sense that they're not usually resorted to in any deep sense. So most of the time, people go in in that sense unprepared. I sort of chafe at the coach label because to me, it's there's a sense which is a very strictly factual, well, reality-based so exercise. Well, we're gonna we're gonna spar words. Well, I, guess. I mean, you know, but you go out and you. Well, run what he look, to run. the question I put to the client and, and, and encouraged him and insisted him in working through his own thinking to arrive at his own conclusion was, was, was what's your conclusion? I can go into negotiations knowing what your conclusion is, meaning what price you're willing to pay. I cannot assure a result that would be as good as that or as it happened, quite a bit better. But we're not going in unprepared. They're going to go in horse trading. Mm-hmm. What they're, they're using their great expertise. That was these are not stupid people by no means. Um, take my breath away. Um, but they're key, lacking typically a key data point, which on their side, which is the person who's selling, the person that they represent has uh, not come to a settled conclusion as to what they actually need, a target price, if you will, and therefore they're left with more is better. And it's, yeah. it's really uncanny. A, a, a high price mentality, um, as a practical matter, gives low price uh, uh, real, real life performance. He didn't, as I recall, and this is getting to be a long time ago, say, well, to me, turn to me and say, well, Tom, do you think that that's too much to pay? And, and that goes back to my comment is, I don't understand the businesses my clients are in. I'm not an expert in their businesses. I may have a lot of contact with them and suppose that I know things, but my operative rule is I'm, I'm ignorant. It's their business. It's what works for them. It's not a question of what I think should work for me. Um, so given that, I assist him in working through those processes. I'm not sure that in 1975 we had the model, computer model support that we came to have later on uh, because we were running those on timeshare basis. And But the computer model 
support that you came had later on served ideas you had yeah pre-1975 yeah yeah so right, you so know so we, we, if we if we convert this uh, over to the the, app, the clear application i think the dominant application is probably in the marketing of commodities farm commodities farm production um what was happening here in what it didn't state in that before is settle, settling on what price works for him has the effect of transferring risk. Okay. He's measured and accepted a level of risk. Once he's done that, he's transferred it, which is, is sort of like, um, it was, I call it short selling and farming. I suppose I could call it short buying in this case because he was buying this business. But in a way, it's not different than a manufacturer to set his price ahead of time because he will have already committed his costs, and now he has to decide what the, what he's going to have to have, what he can get for prices. He's going to cover profits, lender relations, cash flow, ROA, and the like. I've seen that the rigors of preparation, and this is a lesson from this story, a long time ago. I was 30 when I did this deal. Those guys down the other end of the table were in the intimidating 50s. To me, intimidating. I tried not to let on. But I've, I've seen the rigors of preparation and single-mindedness at work, and it is mental toughness. It is the mental toughness that, such as my client in 1975, displayed a re that rewarded him, and I am persuaded still work. Not to say it was easy for my client. The whole thing took many months. We had to sit and be quiet and wait. As tempting as it was to lay the price on the table for them, I waited until they laid the price on the table for us. If the price wasn't there, I'd say, no, that won't fly. I didn't say how far it was apart. That won't fly. And I'd know in the midst of six, six people at the table, some of them would have already realized that. But, um, and said, you know, don't offer it because he won't take it. Well, let's do it in case he does, yada, yada. Not to say it was easy for my client. Uh, as I said, the whole thing took several months. I think it was close to a year, my word. It's a pretty big deal. Like commodity markets, the mind also will also continue to whisper, entice, twist the emotions, such as the deal. That's the point of preparation. What we see is that most sell at or below average price for a year, in a year. We check that using prior data each spring. We also, Tom Jr. does that as an extraordinary exercise. We also check those on whom we have hard numbers. Following their own view, which they develop in their business plan, they sell roughly in the top quarter of the market. You've segued back into uh, agriculture here. At, uh, yeah, the, the, back, the background of the story in the first place is, is a setting for agriculture. I've merely moved it said, well, now, what do you do in, in a situation where, where the prices are known, but which one do you take? When, when do you when okay. you step on it? We didn't. I didn't step on their offer or accept their offer until they met the price my client had established. Otherwise, it was, well, we'll see what happens. What we see, as I said, is that most sell below the average price for a year. Well, we also found that those who develop their own business plan that reminiscent of what happened in 75 with this client tend to sell in the top quarter of the market. 
I admit that that whole process isn't for the faint of heart and appreciate the client who is a willing and tough enough to go through it. I admit for them, seeing how they did in one sense is a loser, that they don't hit the top. He never offered that complaint. There's always a top. There's always a better price, assuming you actually achieve it. But feelings aside, they price and deliver, achieving a profit, maintaining the standard, standing with the lender, and, an, and, and producing an ROA, return on assets, which is double lending rates, which means you can afford to borrow money without going behind, if you will. Another time I'll expand on a tax strategy that takes pricing and timing out of the entanglement of taxes. Taxes readily become the tail that wags the dog. For a better tax strategy, they hold cash, a wonderful asset positioning them for opportunities. It is then, if you will, buy a better tax strategy. By the tax strategy, they are not forced to, to time their delivery to fit their tax situation. They are compelled to spend, and they're not compelled to spend money in order to reduce taxes, nor are they compelled to find a price that is a cure for the past, which too often leads to the bottom. Now, that's sort of a tan tangential to the question of pricing, but I find that those factors of income taxes and spending in order to reduce them and so on are fairly closely tied to the lack of preparation on the first issue that ought to begin a year, which is, okay, what's our price? Once you know your price, you line them. It's easy to line the rest up. In any case, single-minded, following their own mind, prepared, they can, if you will, I'll use this word, read the market. And that's what I did with those guys. I got to read them. Not precisely. It surprised me. Picture six guys sitting at the other end of this long table, huddled down there together. I think three of them were standing, four of them, and then two of them were sitting, so I you know, knew what the power structure was. And this, we had several meetings like this, and I'm down at one end of the table. At one particular meeting, I smoke a pipe at that time, and there was no ashtray. And I would lit my pipe, and I said, I, you know, I said, all right, if I smoke in your room, that's fine. I said, well, I'll tell you what, then get me an ashtray, because I'm not going to put the ashes in the cuff of my pants. It sort of establishes a little bit of, a little bit of something. Well, a 30-year-old up against 50-somethings, that's, uh, yeah, it's really assertive. Well, yeah. I was ready. See, in my view, when they come in indeterminate, essentially about price, they are not ready. Well, most people do, in fact... Um, doesn't matter if habit come in not quite ready. So it's almost as though I go too far in saying this. When you're ready, when you've done your homework, you in effect control the market. That's the lesson from the story. That's the lesson that applies to marketing farm commodities today. So for when you are ready, you control the market. So for the, I'm trying to tie it for the farmer. Uh, uh, has done the preparation, has his price, uh, perhaps has pre-sold if once the price has shown up. Yeah. He just farms. There's a transfer of pressure. Yeah. Our, our clients say that uh, they can uh, they can kind of do their thinking ahead of it and then uh, in a sense having established the patterns and the, they can switch hats and, and really focus on 
essentially uh, you know the blue collar work of, of planting a crop without a lot of uh, back chatter from their mind as they do it. It's what, very clarifying. What I would uh, I'm just about to the end. Okay, and, go and, ahead. And I'll wrap that. Yeah. And it reminds me of a conversation. Uh, I called one of the farmers during harvest, just digging around, and could hear the sound of his combine running. And I said, well, you know, what, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm combining. I said, oh, I'm doing the really important stuff dealing with economics and finance. And that was a joke. Because yeah. he was doing, to me, that's where the money is, is getting the crop out of the field. But... He, he, he said, no. He said, I'm doing the easy part. You're doing the hard part. Eh, I don't know. Well, anyway. certain amount of, just a certain amount of market truth to it. I mean, a tractor driver's a typical wage now, a good one might be $30 an hour if you're really trying to make sure that they, they uh, do what they're supposed to. But uh, a commercial farm operator is going to draw a decent management, management wage. So well, I, I don't want to leave this without also talking about then the role of professional marketers. Because uh, there is a place, and there's uh, they after what I've said about this, do they actually have a a place? I've got to be smart about it and just say uh, whatever they say, uh, bet uh, bet otherwise. Well, you can do that. That's a bit cynical, but but these they have extraordinary deep skills in, if you will, math and reality, and there there is. once you've done your homework, there's a place for that, if I may put it that way. So indeed, for after having worked through what price works for you, following the story I've just told, you will have given them positive direction for them to execute. They can sweeten that, but they best not lose it. It could be said then that the skills and data they experience as in that scenario get the best play. For the short of the matter, now as it was in 1975, if you're an owner and you're doing a deal or you're moving commodities, you're pricing your year, you've already committed your costs, maybe already spent them, it's that you will decide. If you don't decide, it will be decided for you. Mm-hmm. And our data shows roughly in that if you don't decide, you will sell in the lower half of the market. If you do decide in advance, you've done your homework, you will sell in the top quarter of the market. How much is that? Depends on the year. I think the thing that... there, I'm sure we, we have some people who listen to these, and I'm sure someone is similar in outlook, maybe to me, I don't know. But the thing that I notice about this is... It can be a bit, it's dense thinking. There's a lot of stuff here. Um, and it kind of feels, if you're talking about the farmer, it almost feels like a bookend. You do the homework before, and the reward is at the end you get this price or whatever. And that's a simplistic way to see it. But the thing that, having been around it, and actually been lucky enough to ride on a combine at harvest by somebody who had pre-sold the stuff, that we were taking out of the field. And I'm a city kid, but it was one of the coolest things to be on a combine that I've ever done. <clears throat> but it it sounds squishy, so for you hard-nosed business types, apologies, but it this process restores the fun 
and the joy of doing the thing. The money is a secondary benefit. Money's fun, I think. I haven't ever really had it, but it's a... I remember the guy driving that combine was the client's father. And it was just fun. It was beautiful, gray, fall day. Uh, you know, there's a hawk flying around and stuff. And they got to enjoy the, th the thing about farming they enjoyed. And it, I, I, I suspect that applies in any business. I mean, nobody got into this, I hope, independent business for a bunch of, you know, legalistic data that they, oh boy, I get to go to work and meet with human resources today and and see why sales are down 0.10% or whatever it is, or 0.1%. If you do independent, there has to have been something fun in it. And I've seen that this process restores that. It put the joy back in the thing. You did say, and that is assuming I get the last word on this. Sure. Uh, you did say that it's a process that's hard. Developing that kind of plan, such as my client did in 1975, such as our clients do today, is hard work. It's usually three or four uh, uh, looks serious long looks before the thing is, if you will, uh, locked. Uh, one client described each of the meetings as three excedrin headache meetings. But your point is well taken when you're out there doing the thing that now delivers the product uh, and, and pays for your expenses and allows you to continue to move successfully in the next year. It's nice to know that what you're pulling out of the field is priced right. Yeah. Okay. Is that it? Yep. So uh, we'll be back hopefully sooner this next time. Uh, what's the website again? Walkerinsight.com. It so, works now, so we're all good. Okay, and you can find both both the Toms on LinkedIn, I believe. Yes. And so connect with them and. It's fun. Well, connect with Junior. I check more often than yeah, Senior he, does. Tom Junior checks more and, you know, put on your long trousers and come on over and grow up because it's really fun to, and I don't do it, but, you know, anyway, walkerinsight.com. Walker yeah. Thank, thanks a lot.